in the beginning, God said, let there be light. The word of God spoken out loud. Um, let there be light. In my beginning with God, in my first moments with him, when I put my trust in him, God said, in Matt, let my light burn. God lights a light in us, right? God's spirit inhabits us. Something happens. This fire is started um, through our interaction with God. Much the same as this whole thing is started by this spark, let there be light. Um, the image of light is all over in the in, in scripture. We're, we're going to talk, though, about that, that passage that this comes from, uh, the song that, that Tim shared, which is one of my favorites, uh, where Jesus talks about a lamp being lit and that nobody would ever hide a lamp under a bushel. Um, that would be a really strange thing to do. And so when God said, let there be light in the very beginning, uh, he did not intend for the world to never be seen. When God said, let there be light, he did not intend for creation to uh, be hidden, to not be experienced, to be uh, abandoned. He did not intend for his creation to be unused. He said, let there be light with a purpose. Same thing when he said, let there be light in you, Matt. Same thing when he said, let there be light in you. He didn't light that light just so that you could go to heaven. Certainly was part of the purpose, big eternal part of the purpose, but not the purpose, not the only thing. So this fire has been lit and it will be stoked. Right, so it doesn't stay just the way it is, as uh, as he says in um, this passage that we read earlier, chapter fourteen, verse twenty-six. Jesus says, "But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you." So the Spirit is coming. The Spirit is going to to dwell in us, and it is going to stoke this flame. It's going to teach us. It's going to uh, craft us, shape us as if we are, uh, not to mix too many metaphors, but there aren't, there's not really much of a way to talk about this without being metaphorical. <laughs> but uh, wet clay in a potter's hands, right? That the Spirit is going to come and to do this in us. Paul talks about it in uh, Philippians 1, uh, verse 6. He says, God has started this good work in you and he will finish it. All right, so when he says, let there be light, God is not done with the light. God is not done with it. God is not done with you. That is not the beginning and end of your relationship with him. Right? I don't think this is very prevalent anymore, but when I was growing up, there was a lot of talk in the way that we talked about salvation. We talked about our relationship with God. It felt like, there was really only one purpose that it was all about getting a ticket to be able to go to heaven. And that was kind of the, the, the beginning and the end of my relationship. But, but this 
This says that the Spirit is going to come and is going to stoke this fire, is going to do more with it than that, is going to bring a purpose, going to bring a shape, bring a consequence and a purpose to our relationship with him. He's going to do that. Last week we talked about this, how uh, God is determined to make us Christ-like. God is determined to do that. He is giving the Spirit to us for this purpose to stoke the flame. He is determined. He has set his will on that. You can be sure of it. Wherever you go in life, whatever you do, whatever circumstances you have, you can be sure and confident that God is about completing that good work in your life. So you have something horrible happen. You put it in the hands of God and you can be certain that he will work towards this end of making us Christ-like. You have something wonderful happen in your, in your life. You put it in his hands. You dedicate it to him. You offer it to him. And you can be sure what he will do with it is use it in your discipleship. Use it as a way of stoking the flame that was begun in you when you first met him, when you first put your faith in him. And so we, we've been talking about our vision as a church. We've been talking about um, our vision statement, which is uh, becoming like Christ for the sake of one another and our neighborhood. So last week we talked about how this light has been lit. I didn't use this metaphor. I probably used some other metaphor. But it's been lit, and God will stoke it. He will do this in our lives. He will make us Christ-like. Now, we have a whole lot of say in that. <laughs> we have a whole lot of opportunity to say no. We have a whole lot of opportunity to back out. We have a whole lot of opportunity to withhold things and to just kind of be all human up in there. <laughs> but what God will do, what God is about, is making us Christ-like. So in this passage in John, uh, Jesus kind of sketches this same picture using somewhat different words, but the same picture of I'm giving you this spirit that my spirit is coming. My spirit's going to enable you to obey my commands. And he talks a whole lot about obeying my commands, right? He says, if, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Who's the one that loves me? The one that obeys my commands. He's talking about obedience, 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 obey my commands, obey my commands. I would say what he's talking about is Christ likeness, right? He wants that to be ever in our minds. He's talking to his 12 disciples. He knows that they're about to be tested like they've never been tested before. He's about to be uh, imprisoned and tortured and killed. And they're going to witness some of that. And they're going to run away because some of it is too hard for them to witness. And he's saying, obey my commands. Abide in me. Obey my commands. I love you. Have I not loved you? Then stay in my love. Stay in my love. And what does it mean to stay in my love? To obey my commands. Obey my commands. Obey my commands. And I'm giving you this spirit who will teach you, who will enable you to do that. Do not. You don't need to be afraid of obeying my commands. It's not that heavy because I'm giving you the spirit that will enable you to do that, will teach you to do it, right? So the, the, as I said, the purpose, just like the, the purpose of creation is for us to inhabit it, for God's creation to have a place to live. So God says, let there be light with the purpose of providing light for those who are going to live here. The purpose of stoking this light is to obey God's commands, The purpose of, of lighting this and stoking it and, and uh, making it bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger is so that we will be more like Christ and obey his commands. 
But here's the thing that he says that I have always found shocking in this particular passage. He's going along, he's saying, obey my commands, obey my commands. And then he says, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another, that I have loved you. Uh, the book of First John puts it in a different way, kind of in the negative. And he says, anyone who sees his brother or sister in need and doesn't help, light is not in them. Right? Because the purpose of the light is to obey his commands. And what are his commands? To love one another. I was not taught that growing up. I was taught that obeying his commands uh, meant all sorts of other things, which are not bad things to be taught, but they're not what Jesus said here. right? I was taught, um, one of the big things I was taught was to avoid bad people. Like that was something I was supposed to do to follow Jesus, which you all, if you've heard even one of my sermons, probably knows that I don't take kindly to that instruction anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, then there are kind of all the other things that are, are part of our holiness. They're part of our, our relationship with God of, of don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. But the thing that seems really lacking is Jesus is giving these final instructions to his disciples right before he's about to go to the cross and die. And he says, this is my commandment. This is the purpose of this light in your life. This is why the spirit is going to come and teach you and explain to you and stoke this fire is so that you will love one Another. And so when I say, when we have this, this vision statement, we are growing into Christ's likeness, but why? Why do we do that? What's the point? What is the purpose of the light that has been lit in us? We are growing in Christ's likeness for one another. And we'll talk about the neighborhood side of that next week. We are being stoked for one another. What Christ is doing in your life is intended to benefit the person to your left and to your right. No one lights a lamp. No one lights a candle and puts a bushel over the top of it. No one lights a, a lamp and puts a bushel over the top of it. You know what they do when you light a lamp? You don't set it on the floor, do you? You put it on a lampstand so that everybody can see it. So that it does what? It shares its light. So the Holy Spirit is working in you. Sometimes you don't want him to, but he is. Sometimes you're running away, but he is. Sometimes you don't know why, but he is. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's like basking in the sun on the beach. But if you hide it, it's lost its purpose. So that deep, dark struggle that you're going through that um, 
sin that you're trying to let the Spirit conquer. That pain that you maybe find embarrassing. That heartache that's really difficult to talk about. In the hands of God, it's intended to be shared, not in unwise ways, but in ways that benefit the people around you. The purpose of what Christ is doing in each and every one of us. is for it to build this community up, to build the family of believers. You know, I would, um, every once in a while, somebody will, like, be gone a Sunday, and then they'll come back, and they'll, like, say that they're sorry to me, you know? Um, typically, people who have grown up feeling like church is a kind of a duty kind of thing, and they, they really feel bad by not being here on a Sunday, and I always say, I don't, like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to make me think any less of you as a Christian by not being here. I'm never going to be disappointed in you because you, you know, couldn't come or you took a vacation or you wanted to spend time with this person or that person. Good, put it in the hands of God and go. But I do miss you. I do think that each and every one of you brings something into this room that is indispensable and benefits the people around you. I do think that what you feel is your big weakness, what you're afraid of, when you share it with me, it builds me up. I learn from your stories. I learn from your pains. I learn from your weaknesses. What God is doing in you is a light that need not be, sit on the floor hidden. What God is doing is in you, whatever stage it is at, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it on the floor. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel basket. I'm going to um, do something somewhat nerdy. At least I think it's nerdy. <laughs> I'm just going to do this little aside that I... Uh, yeah. I don't know how to exactly express myself on this point, but... Um, I'm just going to trust that God won't let me say anything too derogatory. Uh, many of you have heard it said that uh, somebody will say, I need to work on my vertical relationship, right? And what you mean by that is I need to get away from all these sinners around me and hang out with God or some, something like that. At least that's what I used to mean when I would say such things. Uh, and so we, we, in, our, in, our, um, in our language of talking about our relationship with God, we tend to talk about having this vertical relationship with him, right? As if uh, God is up there and I'm down here, and so I, I, I got to do this thing. And by doing that, a lot of people really imply or mean that they got to ignore all this stuff, right? All this horizontal relationship. Um, I am not a big fan of talking about your relationship with God that way. 
Because I think it misses the fundamental thing that I was just talking about, which is the purpose of what God will do when you have that relational connection with God, what he will do to you if you listen is he will turn to you and say, look to your left, look to your right. This is what I'm doing in your relationships with other people. Take this back. And so we, I think it scares me when we think, oh, I got this relationship with God and then I have this other thing, which is our relationship with these other people. But actually your relationship with other people should be saturated within your relationship with God. Um, I didn't really know how to draw that. So I just imagine like me and my anger pulling those lines apart down to um, you know, that, that what you do in our, your relationship with God is he actually stretches you out to the people next to you. Again, as, I mean, the book of first John, especially is all it, the book of first John is almost entirely about this. Right. And what God is doing in you must benefit the community of believers. And First John, the writer of First John says, and if you don't do that, the light is gone. And so I, I, I prefer to think of our relationship with God more, uh, more like, I don't know, a candle. Um, <laughs> the, uh, like where imagine that we could like black out all of the windows and turn off all the lights and we could get it as dark in here as we possibly could get it. How many of us would be able to find the line where the flame stops and the light starts? Right? The answer should be probably not me. <laughs> or maybe if you have, maybe I don't know. I really I don't know whether there's a line. I'm not that smart scientifically. We have some scientists in the room who could probably tell, but they're intertwined. They're inseparable to the human eye anyway. Same way, when I spend time in relationship with God, the benefits of that to my relationship with other people is inseparable from the relationship with God. They are, in a lot of ways, um, my approach to them are synonymous. Because I must approach you within my approach to God. Anyway, that's my nerd thing. I'm not going to judge you if you talk about your vertical relationship. At least not on purpose. Um, <laughs> I'll repent if I do. Uh, the, uh, why do you... Uh, we started this whole series with the question of why do congregations exist, right? And I, my proposition to you was, um, you know, I, I use the example of, of the thing that happens in Jerusalem when the first, these first believers, it's not very long after the passage we read in John that they're, they're now, Jesus has, he's, been, he's died, he's been resurrected, he's walked with them for a certain amount of time, and then he is... Uh, ascends to the Father, and, and they're all beholding that and watching it, and, and then uh, the day of Pentecost comes, right? Not very, a uh, couple months later. And on the day of Pentecost, this congregation is formed, essentially. It's the first congregation in Jerusalem, and they're, they're doing all sorts of things in that congregation. The work of the Spirit, the Spirit has landed on them like flames, right, above them. And what does the Spirit do to them? What kind of things do they do? 
they get rid of all of their possessions and share them with one another. Uh, they hold a common purse. They meet and eat together every day. They uh, have fellowship. They teach one another. And then they do kind of outreach stuff in the Jerusalem community. Sounds a lot to me like when the Spirit said, let there be light, that light was then shared with one another. But then Philip is sent out. Eventually people are sent out from that congregation. Philip goes to Samaria and he says to them, um, he doesn't say to them, hey, why don't you come and join this thing in Jerusalem? Why don't you leave Samaria and come here and we'll just start this big movement in Jerusalem? He doesn't do that. He plants a church in Samaria to do the same work, to let that same thing happen, that same sharing of the light, same sharing of Christ-likeness, same sharing of the Spirit's work in us to happen in Samaria. So that this question is not, why does the church exist? That's a different question. Why is the church organized into congregations? And so that congregations can represent the body and work of Christ in their Location. So we have this group here. Um, we have this group here, and we're we're supposed to pool our resources. We're supposed to take. You're supposed to take what God is doing in your heart and in your mind and in your life, and join it up with what God's doing in my heart and my mind. We're supposed to do that together. So that we together can be the body of Christ working and living and shining here so that we're more like a bonfire than just one solitary candle on a lampstand. Or a city on a hill would be another way to put it. A city of lamps, right? Because in those days they didn't have any other lights other than lamps. city on a hill is a lampstand, is a, is it, is a lamp. Lit together, growing together, being stoked together. So what do you say? Are you willing to offer what God is doing in your life to the people to your right and to your left? Are you ready to say this relationship with God is not just me and him, but he's integrating me into something bigger? Are you ready to make sure that his determined will to make you more Christ-like will meet its purpose by sharing and growing and encouraging and bearing the burdens of those around you? I know that sometimes can be really scary. You know, we... Uh, Especially if you're an introverted person. Um, how do I do that? I think that the, the phrasing and stuff in Acts is perfect. Invite people over to your home. Eat with people. You don't like your home. You think there's something wrong with it. Go to a coffee shop. <laughs> I, I know how excuses work. <laughs> right? Don't want to clean? That's not a reason to stop. As much as God is determined to do this work in us and to finish and bring to completion the good work that he started, 
Let us be that determined in as much as we're capable to share what Christ is doing with each person in this room. One last thought. I think I said that already. It doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with everybody. It really doesn't. I think I, that can be a terrifying thought. Like, oh, I, I, I don't know about how close I can be to all these people. You know, um, this light doesn't get to choose where it shines, right? It's, it just does. It radiates, and it's, that's not, not something it can change. But I was thinking about how, you know, like a long time ago, they had these lamps that had these like mirrors, right? So that you could like direct the light in a certain direction much more brightly. You could kind of magnify the light. And I think that's kind of an, uh, a wonderful metaphor that, you know, Jesus had, he's got these 72 followers and he spends time with them, but he's got the 12 and he spends a lot more time with them. And he's got three. And these three followers are, they're like, they're getting this magnified, right? They got, in fact, they actually get to view Jesus in this kind of like heavenly glorified state in the tra uh, transfiguration where Jesus is actually glowing and magnifying real light at them. <laughs> but that's okay. We got these 72 people-ish around you. Share that relationship with them. Have a closer-knit group. And have these three people who really get the full magnification of the work that Christ is doing in you. But don't hide your light under a bushel. I've met an awful lot of people and I have yet to meet anyone who I thought, now there's someone who should put that light under a bushel. I am always, always astounded that if I will open my eyes and I will ask, one of my favorite prayers is, God, help me see what you're doing in someone. Let me see you in them. There is always some way that I can benefit from who they are. So don't let that voice inside you say, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, God's not doing good stuff in me. Or, oh, da, 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 da. No. Let your light shine. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you so much for this community, for this fellowship, for this congregation. I thank you so much for the ways that uh, your work and your activity and the people around me have shaped me, encouraged me, um, edified me, caused me to think about you in, time, in times I didn't want to think about you. God, these wonderful people are uh, such testaments to your good work. And I give you the glory for them, God. Now I just pray that your spirit would be um, listened to, heeded, that you, your, your spirit would just be speaking to each and every one of our hearts and just asking us, compelling us to share what you're doing in us. To be, um, to be lights for one another. 
we would carry one another's burdens, that we would be patient with each other and kind with each other, and we would sacrifice on one another's behalf, that we would live lives that are intended to see your good work benefit the people around us. Knit us together in such a way, God. It's in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.